Hi, and welcome to the Bell Podcast. How is everybody doing today? Well, the sun is shining, so I hope you got a smile on your face. And you better be drinking some water, because hey, let's face it, we could all be a little bit healthier. Now, the article we're going to be getting into today is... Russian oligarchs keep turning up dead. <laughs> Cue the X-Files music, because baby, we are getting a little bit conspiratorial today. Now, this one, of course, is based on many, you know, terrible uh cases that have happened throughout this year but this is going to be a opinionated analysis of you know how these could all tie together all right let's jump right into it since january 30th of this year 11 russian businessmen and executives have died under what many have called mysterious circumstances some are truly brutal with some falling from buildings others from self-inflicted gunshot wounds, and even two including an entire family being butchered. Gosh. Two were even found in the same compound, by the way. Of course, speculations are going to fly, but we do know many of those found dead were all connected to a Russian state-controlled gas corporation called Gazprom. This will be an extensive article detailing each case, how they tie together, and why they could be happening. Now, we're going to start off by going over what exactly is Gazprom. Now, founded in 1989 when the Soviet Ministry of Gas Industry was converted to a corporation, <clears throat> PJSC Gazprom became the first state-run corporate enterprise in the Soviet Union. Now, after the Soviet Union's dissolution, Gazprom was privatized retaining its Russian-based assets. Now, in the early 2000s, however, the control of the company was retaken by the government and is still a Russian-majority state-owned global energy mega-corporation, or really a conglomerate, headquartered in the Lotka Center of St. Petersburg in Russia. It carries out the exploration, production, transportation, storage, processing, and marketing of natural gas gas condensate, and crude oil. Gazprom also sells gas as a vehicle fuel and participates in the generation and marketing of heat and electricity. It has several hundred subsidiaries and affiliated companies, owned and controlled directly or indirectly. In 2019, with sales over 120 billion, with a B, 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 billion, it was ranked as the largest publicly listed natural gas company in the world and the largest company in Russia by revenue. In 2021, its profit margins were a record $38 billion. I'd like a slice of that cake, let me tell you. Now let's get into the, the, the bread and butter now. Let's get into the list of the mysterious deaths. <clears throat> we're going to start out with the earliest, which would be Leonid Shulman. This was on January 30th. He was found in the Leningrad Oblast. He was found in a Leningrad Oblast residence bathroom with both wrists slit or stabbed, reports vary on it, and a suicide note in which he complained about his leg pain found next to his body, according to an unnamed source in law enforcement agencies. Now, the leg pain written about came from a broken leg in which he wore a a strange 
Elizaroth apparatus. Now, this, like I said, this detail apparently confused investigators as an executive at the biggest company in Russia should be able to afford some pain medication. He was also the head of the, of the transport department at Gazprom Invest and was under investigation by Gazprom for fraud linked to upgrading the company's vehicle fleet. Now let's move on to the second one, Alexander Tulyakov. Now this was on Feb February 25th. On the morning Russia invaded Ukraine, Tulyakov was found in the same village as Shulman, but in his home's garage, having hung himself with again a suicide note found near his body. The Hill.com reports that he was also reportedly seen badly beaten on the night before his death. Unlike Shulman, apparently neither Gazprom nor the region's investiga investigative committee have released an official statement about his death. However, newspaper Novoya Gazeta, which is a Russian newspaper, described it as an apparent, as an apparent suicide. Quote, We arrived at the scene almost simultaneously with the police who were called by those who discovered the corpse. End quote. An employee of the investigative committee of the Leningrad region, who wished to remain anonymous, told Novoya Gazeta. <clears throat> quote, Everything that concerns the village of Leninsky is immediately reported to us. Personally, I saw a man in the news. Some piece of paper lay on the floor of the garage. End quote. The newspaper also reported that members of Gazprom security services had cordoned off the scene. Quote, Forensic specialists were already working when strong guys arrived in three jeeps. They declared that they were Gazprom Security Service, cordoned off the territory, and we and most of the policemen were simply put outside the fence of the house. End quote. Tolyakov was the Deputy General Director of the Unified Settlement Center of Gazprom, basically the company's treasury for corporate security. Now, let's move on to numero trace. Now, this one is Mikhail Watford. This would also be uh, in February, this time the 28th. Watford was found again hanging in the garage of his home, yet this time in Surrey, United Kingdom. British authorities waited days to release any news on his death. Then, they said that they had not found evidence of a crime, but still reportedly called it quote unexplained. Watford, who was born Mikhail Tolochea in Ukraine, changed his last name when he moved to the UK in 2015. An unnamed neighbor told the son, quote, I find it hard to believe that Misha would have taken his own life. It just doesn't add up. The woman continued saying, quote, Watford had been good friends with Russian billionaire Boris Berezovsky who was found hanged at his nearby home in 2013, and that claimed Watford had confided in her that he feared he was on Vladimir Putin's hit list. Now let's go on to numero four. Vasily Melnikov. This will be in March 23rd. This man, man, let's just get into it. He was found stabbed to death in his luxury Nitsi Novorogod apartment. His wife Galina and two sons were killed in the same way and found in their respective bedrooms. Quote, 
It feels like they were just sleeping at that moment, a source told Commerçant, which is a Russian newspaper, adding that the body of Vasily was in the bathroom with a cut artery. The knives used in the murders were found inside the apartment as well. Commerçant continued that investigators concluded Melnikov killed his 41-year-old wife, as well as his 10- and 4-year-old sons, before killing himself. However, neighbors and relatives struggle to believe this story, saying, quote, This is 100% out of the question, because there is a lot of love. The family was very good. They never quarreled. This is according to Glavred.info, another Russian news outlet. The day before the murder, one of the employees of the company received an unexpected message from the 43-year-old director with a request to bury him where his mother was buried. Quote, the key is under the rug. Don't break the door, the message said. Melnikov was a Russian businessman and owner of Medstom OOO, which is based in Russia, with the head office in Nizinsky Novogorod, the same place he was killed. <clears throat> the company operates in the drugs and druggists merchant wholesalers industry, selling a wide variety of products, you know, of course, medical. Glavra.info reported Medstrom was on the verge of collapse due to sanctions imposed against Russia. That's another trend that you're going to see as we continue forward. Number five, Vladislav Alvayev. This is in April 18th. According to TASS.RU, this is yet again another Russian newspaper. I had to go to a lot of uh, Russian newspapers, you know, Russian sites to get, you know, the original reporting on a lot of this, these cases. So that's probably that's probably why you don't recognize any of these <laughs> any of these sources that i'm naming but yeah i just wanted to go to the original reporting but anyways let's continue according to tas.ru just a day before the body of protosenia was found in spain avayev along with his pregnant wife yelena and 13 year old child oh man I'll, i forgot about this one guys Avayev, along with his pregnant wife Yelena and 13-year-old child, were found dead with gunshot wounds in their multi-million dollar Moscow luxury apartment. Although the apartment was locked from the inside, they were found by their eldest daughter and a pistol was found in Vladislav's, Vladislav's hands, leading investigators to explore the theory that Avayev shot his whole family. A neighbor named Christina said, quote, I heard three shots and shouting. A woman was screaming. Then two more shots were fired. Then no one else was screaming. End quote. Avayev previously worked as vice president at Gazprom Bank, a key part of Vladimir Putin's gas for ruble scheme to hit back on Western sanctions. And the third largest bank in Russia in which Putin demanded foreign companies open an account with the bank. Few details were reported about this case. Therefore, speculation ran wild with explanations for murder-suicide over his wife being possibly impregnated by their driver to his family being murdered over Russian sanctions and business stress. There are even varying accounts on whether his wife Yelena was even pregnant. Igor 
Volobov, a former VP of Gazprom Bank who recently left Russia for Ukraine, told CNN that he did not believe Avayev killed himself. Now, let's move on to numero six, Sergei Protasenya. This is in April 19th, of course, one day after the last one of Ayev. Sergei Protasenya was found hanged with a new rope, a new rope, from a handrail in a rented luxury villa in Loire de Ma, Spain, according to Spanish TV channel Telecinco. His wife and 18-year-old daughter were also found dead in the apartment. The wife and daughter were found dead in their respective beds with hacks and stab wounds from a bloody knife and blunt axe found nearby. However, there were no blood stains found on Protozinia, no suicide note, and no fingerprints found on the murder weapon. Spanish police have refused to release the findings of post-mortem examinations of the three bodies, citing, quote, police investigation secrecy. However, the Catalan police, police body investigating the deaths said their primary working theory is that it was a murder-suicide. But, no fingerprints? Anyways, Protocinia was the former top accountant and then a member of the board of directors at Novatech. His personal net worth in 2011 was estimated at over $430 million. Novatech PAO is Russia's second largest natural gas producer and the seventh largest publicly traded company globally by natural gas production volume. It does much of the same services as Gazprom, yet focused, in, uh, yet focused on natural gas. According to naturalgasintel.com, Novatech is struggling with two of its liquefied natural gas projects in the countries far north under Western sanctions imposed against Russia in May. It essentially put the projects on hold, as the sanctions include a ban on Russian exports of goods and technologies needed for natural gas liquefaction. Merely one of those sites, Arctic LNG-2, is designed to produce 19.8 million metric tons a year of natural gas from three trains. This is a major issue to Russia as they depended on those sites for future reserves and less vulnerability to growing Russian isolation. Another issue is finding buyers, as well as ports that will agree to remove Russian cargo from ships, as they have run into challenges with both, with exports to Europe down 13% month over month. Even with their sales office headquartered in Moscow, Novatech has cast some doubt on the theory that Protasenia killed his family with a press release on April 21st, calling him, quote, an outstanding person and a wonderful family man. His surviving son, Fedor, has similarly rejected the murder-suicide theory, telling DailyMail.co.uk that his father, quote, could never do anything to harm his mother and sister. I don't know what happened that night, but I know that my dad did not hurt them, Fedor continued. Businessman Anatoly Tomoshenko, a close friend of the Russian oligarch, said... Sergei did not do it. Sergei did not kill his family. It is impossible. I do not want to discuss what may have happened at that house that night, but I know 
that Sergey is not a killer. Now, let's go on to number seven. We got Andre Kukovsky. This is in May 3rd. Andre died after falling off a cliff onto rocks on a tourist trail towards our Cheeps Forest in Sochi. Unfortunately, he didn't die he did not die immediately, but succumbed to his injuries in the hospital a day later. Director of the Etso Sadok Krasonia Poliana Ski Resort, owned by Gazprom. The Krasnanya Poliana Resort was created by the Russian gas giant in preparation for the 2014 Winter Olympics, of course, organized by Russia. Before Andre was director, he had been on the board of directors since 2015, so was a very pivotal character in this business. Archad.com reported Andre also led a very active lifestyle and was fond of snowboarding and skiing. He climbed Mount Elbrus and Mount Kilimanjaro, the highest stratovolcanoes in Africa, so was obviously very adept at hiking. Though not good enough to hike a, tour a tourist trail, apparently. Archive also reported Russia's Minister of Natural Resources, Alexander Kozlov, in a telegram described, quote, He has done more for the tourism industry in Sochi than anyone else. He made Krasnanya Poliana a world-class resort. Everything here is connected to Andre, to his strength, to his desire to do better for people. We will remember him forever. Numeral Ocho, number eight, Alexander Sabatin. This is in May 8th. And according to TASRU, TAS.RU, a Russian news outlet, Sabatin was found dead in a Moscow shaman's basement. Hold on, it gets weirder. He reportedly died from a drug-induced heart attack through a ritual to cure a hangover. What the hell? <laughs> and medical responders declared him dead at the scene, though critics alleged toad poison. One source told TAS.RU, quote, According to the owner of the house, a native of Kharkov Alexei Pindirian, Sabatin arrived to him in a state of severe alcohol and drug intoxication the day before. The body of the billionaire was in the basement of the house of Pandurian, who was also who was also called the shaman Magua, <laughs> in a room used for Jamaican voodoo rituals. End quote. Russian authorities have launched a criminal investigation into Sabatin's death while they try to establish its cause, TAS.RU reported. Investigators are also said to conduct tests in the scene if and what drugs were present in his blood when he died. Sabudin was the owner of the new transport company, a billionaire, and a former top board member at Luke Oil. Luke Oil Oil Company is a Russian multinational energy corporation headquartered in Moscow and is the second largest oil company in Russia after Gazprom as well as the largest company not state-owned. Also like Gazprom, it specializes in the business of extraction, production, transport, and sale of petroleum, natural gas, and other petroleum products. 
We should note that Luke Oil called for a quick end to the war between Russia and Ukraine only months before his death. According to the Washington Post, Luke Oil has been known to toe a fine line when it comes to the Kremlin. They refrain from outright denouncing the government, but are much more vocal than most companies against Putin. From the beginning of the current CEO, they have also done to be, from the beginning to the current CEO, they have also done their best at protecting the company from takeover by Putin allies. Alekhiparov, a Soviet-era oil ministry official and energy executive who was born in Azerbaijan, and helped from Luke Oil after the Soviet helped form Luke Oil after the Soviet Union collapsed, is seen as a clever operator who has managed to keep Luke Oil independent from Putin's reign, even as companies owned by other oligarchs have been taken over by Kremlin insiders. Luke Oil operates gas stations in 11 states across the United States, surprisingly, which has banned the import of Russian gas and oil. And they also experienced a 92% market price drop in March as a result. However, most of these gas stations are franchisees and don't even buy Russian oil. So they're still allowed to operate. Where it rains, it pours though. With many Americans not realizing this, calling for boycotts and even voting to suspend Luke Oil gas station business licenses in New Jersey. One former Luke Oil employee one former one former american luke oil employee said there was a feeling within the company that quote luke oil was the last independent major oil company in russia and the oligarchs close to putin were perpetually eyeing luke oil for any missteps that would give them an opening to take over its assets now let's hop on over to yuri Voronov. this was on America's Day, July 4th. Yuri was not only found in the same village as Shulman, but in the same compound, only this time dead in his home's pool. Newsweek and Fortune reports the crime scene consisted of Yuri's body floating in the pool, gunshot wound to the head, pistol found next to his body, and several bullet casings found in the bottom of the pool. A multimillionaire, Voronov was the founder and CEO of the Astra Shipping Transport and Logistics Company, which was undertaking lucrative Gazprom contracts in the Arctic. According to Spark Interfax, in 2020, AstraZeneca showed a loss of $95 million, and in 2021, a loss of $65 million. Preliminary information suggested the gun was fired at point-blank range and the Voronov died up to 14 hours before his body was discovered. 47 News reported that police reviewed the security footage and said nobody had entered or left the house in three days. His wife told police that after he began heavily drinking for around two weeks, he had left St. Petersburg on July 1st, following a conflict with business partners over money, and gone to the house where he had died. The argument, his wife told police, regarded Verona being, believing he was being swindled out of, quote, a lot of money by dishonorable contractors and partners. Now let's get to number 10. This one, it's a little close to home. This was on August 14th, and it is Dan Rapopo. 
Dan Rapoport was found dead on the sidewalk of his luxury Washington DC apartment. Yes, Washington DC. And reportedly fell from his apartment to meet that end. Latvian born US citizen and Russian businessman, Rapoport was an outspoken Putin critic and supporter of Alexei Navalny. He made his fortune in Russia working in corporate finance, brokerage, and investment banking. He also held senior positions with several Russian financial institutions and completed various cross-border transactions representing Russian companies and various international institutional investors. However, he has always kept close ties with the U.S., working as a financial analyst for the first Russian-American joint venture for oil production as the managing director of Center Invest Securities in New York and fleeing Russia for the U.S. between 2012 and 2016 over growing tensions and his support for Russia's democratic opposition. He left the U.S. back in 2016 for Ukraine over a divorce and remained there until Russia's invasion of Ukraine brought him back to the U.S. Now, political reports... According to a D.C. Metropolitan Police Department incident report, officials responding to a call about a jumper found Rappaport's body on the sidewalk. He was wearing orange flip-flops and a black hat and had a cracked phone, headphones, and $2,700 in cash on him, but no wallet or credit cards. They continue by saying the case will remain open, even without a suspicion of foul play. Standard procedure even in attempted suicides, a medical examiner's report, is pending. In a Russian media interview, Rappaport's wife denied the theory of suicide, saying her husband had been making plans and that she expected to be in Washington to see him. Quote, I think the, I think the circumstances of his death are extremely suspicious, says Bill Browder formerly the largest foreign portfolio investor in Russia, who became a crusader for sanctions after the killing of his Russian lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky. Browder also knew Rappaport from in Moscow years ago, before they both fell out of favor with the Russian regime. Quote, Whenever someone who is in a negative view of the Putin regime dies suspiciously, one should rule out foul play, not rule it in. End quote. Browder also added when concerning all the oligarchs, quote, there has been enough empirical evidence of assassinations organized by the Kremlin or business rivals in Russia to make it likely that these were murders and not suicides. And other explanations that have been bandied about by the Russian authorities? Ridiculous. David Satter, who stayed with Rappaport while in Ukraine, said, nothing adds up. This is why it has to be investigated. But everything we do know is very, very strange. Yuri Somov, who befriended Rappaport during his time in Washington, said, Dan is likely the most intelligent person I've ever met. And he was a romantic. He believed things could be changed. And he believed he could be a part of those changes. Rappaport's death has been a subject of major coverage overseas, with a number of high-profile figures implying that a foreign government may have killed an American citizen in the capital of the United States. However, the story is strangely off the radar in Washington, where there has been little major news coverage. 
strange to say the least. However, some charge Washington is soft-pedaling the investigation so as not to ruffle feathers in Moscow. Certainly strange. Now, <clears throat> let's go into the last one, Ravel Maganoff. On September 1st, according to USA Today and BBC.com, Maganov also fell to his death, this time from a window of the Kremlin's Central Clinical Hospital in Moscow. Reportedly hospitalized for heart problems or heart attack and also taking antidepressants, Maganov then, quote, fell out of a window of the hospital. The circumstances surrounding his death were not made clear. However, the investigative committee have ruled it as a suicide. No surprise there. Maganov was chairman of Russia's Luke Oil oil giant, which we have previously touched on with Alexander Sabatin. <clears throat> he had worked there since two years after its founding, and as stated, Luke Oil and its chairman could be critical of Russia, with an official statement from Luke Oil in March denouncing the war in Ukraine, as an example. Three years ago, he was also given a Lifetime Achievement Award by President Vladimir Putin. However, following Maganov's death, Luke Oil, the company that Maganov helped to build, said in a press statement that the 67-year-old had, quote, passed away following a serious illness, completely neglecting the fact that he fell to his death. <laughs> According to Reuters, two people who knew Maganov very well said they believed it was highly unlikely he committed suicide. When asked by Reuters if they were investigating the death as suspicious, Moscow police referred the question to the state's investigative committee. The committee did not respond to their request for comment. Now, let's get into why Russia cares and the possible motives they might have behind these murders. In the aftermath of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Vladimir Putin demanded that European clients make payments in Russian rubles to Gazprom Bank. Remember, you keep hearing that name coming up, that it's very important, Gazprom. Now, Putin demanded that European clients make payments in Russian rubles to Gazprom Bank, an affiliated financial institution to the gas provider, Gazprom. This would circumvent sanctions from the West brought about as a result of the Ukraine conflict, especially because a large portion of Europe depends on Russian oil. As of May of 2022, though, partial sanctions were also announced against executives at Gazprom Bank, according to Reuters. Up to that point, Gazprom was spared in terms of Western sanctioning, so the flow of natural gas from Russia to Europe would not be interrupted. These partial sanctions were done to both punish Russia for the invasion and to make a statement that Gazprom Bank would no longer be a financial safe space. Senior Biden administration official clarified via Reuters, quote, this is not a full block. We're not freezing the assets of Gazprom Bank or prohibiting any transactions with Gazprom Bank. What we're signaling is that Gazprom Bank is not a safe haven. And so we're sanctioning some of their top business executives to create a chilling effect, end quote. Shares of Gazprom plummeted almost 30% to 208 rubles on June 30th, 
after the company said its shareholders had decided against a one and a quarter trillion ruble payout on dividends on the 2021 results due to Western sanctions. And the Moscow Stock Exchange briefly halted trading of the stock as a result. The drop sent the company's market capitalization tumbling to 7 trillion rubles, though the company is still the largest in Russia. According to CNBC, on August 31st of this year, Gazprom shares rose more than 27% after its board reversed their course and recommended paying the dividends in the first half of this year. <clears throat> the company stated the day before that it had made a record 2.5 trillion rubles in net profit, and that played a major role in the decision to reverse. However, I will also note that on August 31st is the day before the last executive on this list, Magnavov, was found dead. Gazprom is also a majority state-owned company, meaning the government calls the shots and knows everything about the company. Gazprom is also the company that has been suspending flow of oil through Nord Stream 1 due to, quote, technical issues, effectively holding large swaths of Europe hostage <laughs> the pipeline was already shut down and inspected beforehand and had been due to return to operation early on saturday after a three-day maintenance break yet somehow in joint inspection with a company with company siemens energy they discovered a new oil leak they gave no time frame as to when the repairs would be complete gazprom pointed out in its statement on telegram that the oil leak detection report was quote also signed by representatives of Siemens as evidence of vindication. Gazprom also stated that European Union sanctions have resulted in technical problems, preventing it being able to provide the full volume of contracted gas through the pipelines. According to CNBC, when asked whether pumping gas via Nord Stream 1 was completely dependent on the sanctions and that supplies would resume if these were lifted or relaxed, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov replied, Of course. The very sanctions that prevent the maintenance of units, which prevent them from moving without appropriate legal guarantees, which prevent these guarantees from being given, and so on. However, Siemens Energy firmly rejects this and says there are no legal obstacles to its provision of maintenance for the pipeline. Even worse, Nord Stream 1 had only been running at 20% capacity even before the flows were halted for three days this week for maintenance. And now Russia has announced it will remain shut off indefinitely, all in response to Western sanctions. They are determined to strangle Europe into submission via its energy sector. I believe I've made my case on how important the oil industry is to Russia and how willing it is to weaponize companies to suit the Kremlin's needs. Moscow is also no stranger to assassinations, with all the way back in 2017, USA Today reported that at, the, that, at that point, Russia and Putin may have been linked to as many as 38 Russian oligarch deaths. Dude had only been president of Russia for five years at that point. The list has continued to grow, obviously. So, truly, has Putin stuck to what he knows best in times of crisis, simply eliminated all threats to his regime and its agenda during the war? 
All in the plans to regain its footing in the market, take care of loose ends that could verify accusations of fraud or misconduct, and prepare to reopen and play ball with the market? Or has this all just been a big coincidence? With a lot of sad, scared, and anxious people under the most authoritarian Russia has been in years, simply dying at the same time with no connection whatsoever. I can't say for certain. Information is truly difficult to get out of Russia, as many things are heavily censored or state-owned. I spent days digging up all the information and original sources I could for this article. They are not a country that likes talking about its inner workings very much. But hey, what do you think? Hope you enjoyed this article. And uh, got plenty more. If you would like to browse, if you'd like to check out some of the other episodes, they're all great. But uh, yeah, I'll get out of your hair. And I hope you have a great day. And uh, see you later. Thank you.